Blog Talk Radio.
IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, and uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We thank you for joining us. Wherever you are listening, you could be doing anything else you decided to uh, be a part of this broadcast. I want to go to the phones, bring my guest. He is the host of the Donaldson Files that airs every Monday and Tuesday evening uh, at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And, of course, he is a sports writer as well and enthused along with his politics. He's Tom Donaldson. And, Tom, man, I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Oh, great. I'm glad to be here, Ken. Uh, am I coming in good right now? I'm trying to find a close, <laughs> the most quietest place I could find. Well, you, you do what you need to do to get to that quiet place. Um, um, I'm sure you can hear me. And, and you, you need oh, to mute yourself. You. Right. As long yeah, as you, can, if you need to mute yourself, if, if you need to mute yourself for a moment while I'm asking a question, that's fine. So I want to get into okay. it first. And when you, you look at this tournament, Tom, coming into it before um, the tournament, you look at the history that could be, have been made by the, by uh, Serena, she's out. Venus is out. You look at the talent on the woman's side, other other women uh, out, and then you look at, you know, with Federer out and 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 all of that, the, the Nadal. And so, it's a, you get the same kind of feel around the U.S. Open this year. You go every year, it seems, and the same kind of feel with all that talent, all that superstar power gone this year. You know, I, I was thinking that myself, but you know what? Because uh, we had the Stevens keys to the match, and I tell you, like the first set, it was like, God, everybody, I mean, it was like you know, hands on your feet, your hand, you, know, you, know, you know, people got, you know, sitting on their hands. And all of a sudden, by the time you got to the second, uh, you know, the second set, thing, people got really excited. And the first set, it was like a nip and tuck before Stevens uh, pulled out a tiebreaker. And right now, uh, you know, Coco Goff is in the fight of her life. She had the first set one, five to three, and then basically lost her concentration. Right now it's like two to two in the second set, and she's trying to savage her break. Uh, uh, Andy Murray is basically playing really well. Uh, right now he's two sets to one up against the number three seed. So, you know, things are uh, – so, yeah, I, I, maybe the – what we may be looking at is people saying, well, we've got some new superstars on the way up and some exciting talent coming. And, of course, on the men's side, you got Djokovic. Can he basically get a calendar uh, grand slam and win number 21? So, I mean, you got that drama, too. Right, and that's it. But I guess, too, Tom, what I'm thinking is, okay, this yeah. is day one. As it, the, the days go on, and you're used to seeing those Nadals and those Federers and Djokovic yeah. and and Williams sisters there that, you know, there's that drama coming up when you get to the quarters and the semis and all of that. When you get deeper into these rounds and you don't have the star power, do you think people from a rating standpoint, not to, like yourself there, but from a rating standpoint, watching it on TV will, will tune out? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And we'll find that out. Uh, or we may just find out that people may be attracted to something new happening. I was just saying, the men's side, you have Djokovic going for the Grand Slam. And so the men's got some ratings already with that. And if Andy Murray finds a way to uh, defeat uh, Sissipas, the Greek, uh, the number three seed, 
Yeah, you know, there may be another new story there as well. So, yeah, so this, you know, it, it's really, you know, so I'm not going to sit back and say who knows what happened, but we're going to see. Uh, it's, I mean, the women's side is problematic as far as star power goes because they're really, you know, what you have is you got about 10 people who could probably win this thing, you know, other than Naomi Osaka. You know, there really isn't anybody that I would say is the superstar, except for maybe Coco Golf, uh, you know, who's an up-and-coming 17-year-old and maybe right. the next great American thing. So, and she's, like I said, she's in the fight of her life. She just now just took the 3-2 to two lead in the second set. She's down. She was, she's lost one set already, so it's, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see whether or not she can, you know, get through this challenge. Yeah, she got some work to do. We're talking with Tom Donaldson here on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM, and uh, Chapel Hill and IBM TV. Tom, what about Osaka? How's the media, how's that working? Remember her last few interviews? She's a very, very um, uh, deep-thinking, socially conscious woman, as you know. And now she's got this thing going with the media where she doesn't want to talk or maybe they're – given issues how has that uh gone so far with her and and has it affected uh her play you think or will affect her play you know i that's a good question but i think uh so far the media i i haven't really seen the real negative side of the equation where you know people are coming after her for this so uh i so i and i would say the media is more friendlier to her than let's say negative the real question comes into play is on herself, whether or not, you know, you know, whatever has been bothering her, you know, I mean, like I say, she's been dealing with her own mental issues, you know, her own mental issues. And it's just, you know, it's not just about the media. So who knows, you know, how that impacts it. That's a good question. Because talent-wise, she may be the most talented player on the women's side right now. And she, yeah, I- you know, you're talking about super... If you know my superstar, she's that potential superstar that can drive people into the stands. Right. You know, right. of all, of all right. the women, you know, she's the one that can do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. And uh, she may have to carry the load uh, for the women in this. And this, and, it, and almost the expectation is, you know, with the field being a little, the being plowed a little bit, the Williamson is not there, especially that she will, that the pressure is to, to, to win, you know, the, yeah. the championship. What about the, when you look at Djokovic? I mean, if, if any of a time that is, he's got a wide-open way to get to that, that, you know, that calendar slam and, and make history, this would be the time. What if he loses? Then what? Probably be losing, he loses. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not I mean, but how that. big of a how big of a deal would it, you know, uh, upset well, be, would that be, be? Yeah, it'd be an upset. But you know, the thing is, it's not like the men. There's two or three men, uh, you know, who you know, like I said, remember he he was down two sets to zero in Wimbledon before he came back. Right. And last year, you know, the Austrian uh, team won. So I mean, there are two or three guys there right now that on if he doesn't have his great A game. Could beat him. Now, of course, like I say, one of them may not be around after the day. Sissipas, uh, because uh, he, you know, he's down two sets to one to Andy Andy Murray. But uh, it's going to be kind of yeah. 
But the answer, of course, it would be an upset. Uh, but I, I don't view it as a great upset because there's a lot of talented people. Got to remember, he's 34 years old. Right. But we, and he's been around. Both he and Nadal, these guys have been around. So it's kind of the question is, you're, you know, you know, what you're seeing now is that slow evolution into the post Nadal, you know, Federer and Djokovic. And the women have pretty much gotten, have been doing this now for two years. They're going through that, you know, the end of the Williams era. And maybe it's, you know, the fact that they didn't show up is kind of putting it very stark. Okay, it's over. Now it's time for the new generation to take their lead. Uh, but, how, many, uh, how, how long are we going to stay in the Andy, Andy Murray uh, uh, bandwagon? Because, I mean, he showed a lot of promise. Um, you know, he's got some titles, but it, it, he just kind of, I don't know if, if it's the era that he's in that he just kind of never really well, lived up to well, expectations. Well, actually, I mean, look, he's in that long era, but he's won three majors. So I wouldn't say he has to reach expectations, but he had some serious injuries. He had a back issue that kept him out. He almost almost retired. He almost quit totally. So the fact that he's back on the court is something else. Because there were three years ago, he was about ready to say goodbye because of his injuries. So, uh, yeah. So I don't mean. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, when you're in the era of, I mean, you're looking at three of the greatest tennis players who've ever played the game are playing at this moment. You know, one Federer pretty much has got his foot out the door, but the other two, they still have two or three good years left. So it's not like, you know, I mean, guys like Murray are basically in the wrong era. But you know what? He's won three majors, so it's not like he's done poorly. It's just like he's in the wrong era. I mean, when you got somebody who, you know, say, look, I mean, think of this one. These guys, three guys, have won every major but one since 2017. So it's, I'm not going to sit back and say, God, Murray's a real flop. Hey, he won three majors. He's been competitive. I just said, yeah. You know, especially when he won more than it, it seemed like, okay, with that and the fact that, like you said, the big yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, he was like, you know, I viewed him, you know, when he was at his peak as one of the top four, you know, part of that group. But when he he injured his, you know, when, when he had his injuries, it kind of totally, uh, the whole thing totally changed. So it's, as I say, it's like, you know, you got a lot of players who, let's say, if they've been in any other era, would be, oh, yeah, they're pretty good players. We'd be talking about them. But, they're, you know, but that's where we're at. Right. Like, he's a better ver- – I guess he's a Richard version of uh, Charles Barkley and Carl Malone, you know, guys that came in the Jordan era but couldn't win because of Jordan. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good observation. You know, or thinking, let's say, someone like a Ken Norton. Uh, at the, you know, when he's up there in the Ali, Frazier, <laughs> uh, Foreman era. I mean, he was a very good fighter. But long era. Uh, and that's, you know, where these guys are right now. But, again, they're 
we're looking at that point in history where that right. era is slowly is just slowly slipping away. Right, and you're it, right. With these young girls coming up on the women's side, it, it you know, it it looks a lot more promising there. Um, but it would be nice to see if um, Djokovic can yeah. can pull it off um, this year. Um, talking with Tom Donaldson here, uh, host of the yeah. Donaldson Files, live at the U.S. Open tennis uh, in in uh, New York on the Bachelor News Radio Show. Tom, what about COVID? COVID's been affecting everything. Obviously, the NFL has their protocol, get tested, I mean, get vaccinated, or you follow the protocol, or you, you're not playing. Um, there was a big push from a lot of the top players and both sides, men and women, in terms of saying, no, I have, I'm have. i really leery about doing this. What's the protocol in this tournament um, in terms of if, if anyone's, you know, test positive, what happens then? Is it going to be like the uh, college football where guys got sick and, and guys had to forfeit games and that kind of thing? Do they have to kind of step away? Well, they have to step away, yeah. If they get, you know, if they get diagnosed, they're out. And you've already seen there's at least uh, Sophia Keenan, who was one of the America's best hosts for this one. She's already out because she had COVID before that tournament. So, uh, I mean, you've basically got a quarantine period, which basically pretty much the whole, you know, it is what it is. So it's, it's, it's just added to the risk, right? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's all you can do is say. I mean, right. the protocols, I mean, they're being tested regularly. And, you know, they have the protocols and I'm basically saying, you know, don't, you know, I guess the question is, you know, just, you know, be careful where you, you when you leave the tournament, be careful where you do. You know, they'll go out to the public somewhere, go back to your hotel. And I just, I don't, what I don't understand, Tom, is if this is your livelihood, and I understand if it's a personal choice, you don't want to get it done. Under normal circumstances, that's fine. But if Tom owned the Bachelor News radio show, he said you can't do it unless you get vaccinated. I mean, if you, you're fired unless you get vaccinated, and I want to work, just like with the NFL and with tennis, why won't they just comply? Well, I mean, I just think, I mean, I mean that's, another, that's another program, to be honest with you. I think there have been a <laughs> lot of, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, this, it's one of those deals where, quite frankly, the governments, you know, the governments themselves have a role to play in the fact of how they, you know, promoted this thing and, and, the, and the mistake they made, but that's a whole show. But if you're asking me the question is, you know, would I get vaccinated? You know, I would advise you out. Uh, but it doesn't also mean that But the problem you run into is you get vaccinated now. It's kind of, I mean, you're at a point where you still have to wait two or three weeks. I mean, before the full benefit of the vaccination, you have to wait another three weeks before you get the second shot. So for all intents and purposes, if you haven't been vaccinated by now, it's not worth it for this time. But that's something, you know, that's, that's a decision they make because this is a paycheck. They lose. Right. Not just about, I mean, these are not people who get a, a regular paycheck. These are people who, quite frankly, uh, you, know, if you, lose, you know, if you lose a paycheck, you lose a paycheck because you're playing for yourself. You're not part of the team where, hey, we're paying you, you know, a couple million, you know, making a million dollars a month, regardless of what happens for the most part. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's no contract. This is you. You win, you lose. 
You know, if you don't win and be successful, you don't make money. There you go. That's the, uh, that's, a, that's a decision they have to make. I mean, like I say, I'm one of those who I'm not going to, you know, I have my, you know, I'm not going to tell somebody go get back. I'm going to say here's the facts. You have to make that decision and whether or not you want to do it and whether or not your livelihood, you know, is it worth it for your livelihood. I mean, here's the safety data, and the, the safety data is there. Everything's there. Right. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's just that decision. But, I mean, tennis is a lot different in, than football in the sense that in football, if you lose two or three guys with COVID or four or five, you still have ten. You still have a practice squad filled body. So it's, uh, tennis is a totally different. Oh, sorry, it's a totally different story. Unless you're, you're, you're unless you're uh, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and and you have uh, uh, a Lamar young Jackson. kid that like Lamar Jackson, you lose Lamar Jackson. I, yeah, you can have a whole roster. You lose your starting quarterback. That's a whole. Totally different thing, you know. So, um, yeah. but I, I I get what you're saying. Let me ask final thoughts. Would you looking at the the, the landscape, uh, all the players on both sides, um, who you think will win, and who you think can possibly be an upset? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this is Djokovic to lose. I just don't know. I mean, when you're going for history. Uh, you know, you got that extra sense. This is about history. It's about your place and the history of the game. So I think that. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, something just happened on the drop, and I'll have to figure out what's going on. Uh, I get back to you, but I, mean, I do not know what has just happened. I know she just won the set. And then they, everybody's, oh, it's raining. Maybe, I don't know what's going on. I've got to find this out. Uh, so I'm here live, and there's something happening here on the court. Okay. Well, you can so get, get back to us. and Yeah, so you can get back to yeah. us, and if you can't get through, you can shoot me a text, and we can give an update on it, and I hope all is well yeah. with whoever, whatever's yeah. going on the on the, uh, the court. But, Tom, I appreciate it. All right, thanks.
promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 62318. Blog Talk Radio. May I help you? Yeah, it's just cold. My sinuses feel like they're going to explode. Sudafed, aisle 5. My allergies have my sinuses all stuffed up. Sudafed, aisle 5. Tell the man what's wrong. My sinuses. Sudafed, aisle 5. Sinus misery? Get Sudafed. Nothing stronger at relieving even your worst sinus symptoms. Not even a prescription. This could just... Sudafed, aisle 5. Sudafed, prescription strength sinus relief. Based on 24-hour dose of pseudoephedrine. Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM. The friends at uh, COM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, IBM TV, which you can catch on Thursdays, the show, and Big Mind Entertainment on TV, and the Bachelor News Radio Network. want to go back to the phones, bring in my guest. Uh, he is a former... Hampton star, basketball player, and also played in the NBA. It's a, a pleasure to have him on uh, for the first time, hopefully more than one time. He's Devin Green, and, and Devin, uh, it was a pleasure to talk with you earlier uh, at length, and certainly good to have you on. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to be on, man. And uh, I just want to tell you, man, you got some amazing uh, elevator music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a little, a little pop, I, little dear mama. <laughs> I, I didn't know whether to get up and start dancing or, or, or get on get on the show, man. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I got to bring you in with some good stuff, and it's funny. I was just talking about um, Tupac with someone not too long ago, and uh, some of the stories I, I happened to, to have the pleasure of spending some time with him, so uh, when he passed, it was really shocking, but um, yeah, I, I try to keep it hype, man, and try to keep it, uh, you know, urban. You, 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 not that old, we don't remember some Tupac, of course you know Tupac, so anyway, I had to put yeah, that on that, for you. I, I got an older brother, so uh, yeah, he definitely, uh, you know, he put me on, I used to steal his, his CDs back in the day and listen to him, so. I'm definitely in tune. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and you made me feel really old by there, but that's okay. Thank you very much for your older brother, and you listen to some CDs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, hey it's all good. Timeless, timeless man. Timeless. You, you, you're aging like fine wine, brother. That's right. That's right. I, I, I'll take that. Uh, good comeback. Yeah. So, 
Listen, um, obviously you played and and obviously played at a one of the prestigious HBCUs and and the Pirates of Hampton had you know um, some success there, some some challenges in terms of uh, resources, in terms of facilities, and so you have this big coming up in 2023. I know this has been uh, your baby years before now. Um, but you want to put on this Rich Heritage Classic uh, in Atlanta in 2023. Talk about the vision of this. What is this about? What's the mission ultimately when you have this this game? Okay, so um, so first of all, uh, so my brand um, is called H3 Collection, and our slogan is Rich Heritage, right? Um, and me and my partner who also played ball in college, um, a, a, Long, a Long Beach native. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we, uh, you know, we, with both of us having the backgrounds of basketball, we've all, we, we were always trying to figure out how to kind of like immerse ourselves within uh, the basketball space along with uh, the fashion space as well. So we started working on it and just started, thinking of different concepts and you know, I think at the end of the day it all it always comes back home, you know. So, um it really did a full circle and came back around to my personal story and my personal journey. And and I've always kinda had the the, the niche and the passion to try to figure out how could I do something to, you know, help Ace and, and to help like um work with the next generation and, and help the next generation um, kind of avoid some of the the barriers that I went through um, during my experience at, at a HBCU. But ultimately the game is a high school, uh, high school all American invitational game um, that will be in Atlanta, Georgia um, in 2023. And we are looking to bring in, some of the elite players um, in the country, all over the country, men and women, and and give them a a taste of what going to an HBCU would be like earlier on in life, you know, Um, not just waiting for guys to get there um, and then, you know, have tournaments. uh, And, I I mean, I I enjoy those tournaments, and we all all be alum and students, I'm sure, will will enjoy those tournaments as well. But, um, you know, my personal perspective, I've always – but why haven't we start trying to reach out to, to kids earlier to build awareness um, about our HBCUs? I actually, I in my personal journey, I caught on late too. Even being from Ohio, we have two great HBCUs uh, with Wilberforce and Central State up there. Um, but my, my personal experience, uh, you know, they weren't looked upon as the place to go back then. Um so, you know, I just want to give the kids, uh, you know, a, a new experience, a more innovative experience, and and give them the, a chance to understand, you know, how much value that they, they actually possess in um, in the sports space and and celebrate them, man. That's what Rich Heritage is all, is all about. Um, that's what our slogan, our brand is all about, is um, just celebrating um, black culture, celebrating the HBCU community. You know, you said a lot, and and I I just want to 
get you in a minute to talk about your personal journey, um, the decisions you had to make, um, the fact that, you know, you could have gone to some, you know, PWI as we call it, but you decided to go to Hampton. You could have left when the whole situation with your coaches left, but you stayed. And I think that's very important, uh, not only from the athletic side, but just from a standpoint of, the understanding that HBCUs are not inferior. Um, they're just as good. They're just as talented. And I, I, I think what you're trying to do in terms of this all-American game should be really exposed and, and could be even better than McDonald's All-Americans or the Nike game. I mean, to be honest with you, you and I had this conversation. I told you, I mean, this is me talking. I mean, they they don't give a shit about these black kids, you know. They just they really don't. And then when they when they go on, if they break their ankle or whatever happens, then you're done. So talk yeah. about that. The fact that now it we need to have um, black businesses for black kids to understand black culture and where these HBCUs come from. Because like like I told you off air. You know, I'm from Connecticut. There's no HBCU anything. It stops at Delaware in that area. So, you know, I appreciate it. You know, all the 22 years that I've been covering it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm like the king of the backstory. So um, I have to go back and, and tell you, you know, what I was fully inspired by. And, and that was a documentary that was done. Um, by ESPN on the 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 period of like civil rights in the '60s and what athletes actually went through um, at that time, and and just thinking about the whole scope of you know what they went also like the fact that they were at HBCUs was such a it was such a powerful documentary because what it showed me was this is actually possible. You know what I mean? Um, and I think a lot of young athletes right now, you know, you, you look at PWIs and you're like, man, it seems like they're so much further ahead. And they actually are, but we also have to understand that we can close that gap pretty quickly, especially like in basketball. Now, football is, is a whole different monster. But in the basketball space, we can actually close that gap a lot, a lot quicker. Um, and, you know, I'm just thankful that, you know, I was able to go t- through the things that I did go through um, in my journey and actually still come out uh, victorious, you know what I mean, and still be able to make it to the league and play at the highest level. Um, now, did it actually work out how I, how I envisioned it? I thought I would be a 15-year a vet in the league, all-star and all that kind of stuff. No, it didn't work out that way. But ultimately, being able to just be a professional, playing so many different leagues and, and get an opportunity to to understand and see how each and every piece works, um, that will be my testimony to the kids. Is like, and I, I need to ask have... you about that because uh, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off, Devin. But again, mm-hmm. your journey, uh, people don't know mm-hmm. your story. Your, te- your story is a testimony in itself, you know. 
mm-hmm. uh, going from Hampton, you know, going undrafted, right. going to the Lakers, not working right. out, like you said, playing in different leagues, winning championships mm-hmm. in these different leagues, but staying the course mm-hmm. like you're still balling. He's not balling with you the way you want, but you're still right. in there. And, and it's a testimony to perseverance. So I wonder, and as a matter of fact, I'm sure when you talk to these kids, even before 2023 you have this classic, when you talk to young kids when they're high schoolers or even going into a Hampton or Norfolk State or wherever they're going, that you mm-hmm. can share that. You know, at the end of the day, you can, you can do all, you can do whatever you want to do if you stay the course. And I think that's Absolutely. sort of the moral to, moral to your story. Yes, yeah, it's, it's understanding your value. And, but also understand the history and and the importance of you know keeping everything within our ecosystem. The you know the 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 other the companies they'll come they'll come to you they come to the talent you know what I mean. So um, I think sometimes we get outside of ourselves mentally and think that we have to chase that and we don't. The the companies have always come to see talent and they've always supported the talent so um you know but it has to it has to be more guys like myself um and it's a lot of guys out there doing you know a bunch of different events i mean in in all different um industries even like yourself uh you know just preaching continuing to to build awareness and and build these young men and young women up mentally in their mentality you know what i mean um, them seeing us be in a, in a successful place, um, but also letting them understand that, hey, we came from the same places that you came from, and we were still able to uh, persevere, like you said. So that's a really uh, great point to it. We're talking with Devin Green, of course, former uh, Hampton star, NBA player, and uh, and has a, a, a vision to to really bring forth um, not just these high schoolers to go to the HBCUs, but to understand why, the importance of it, uh, and to ultimately um, help, you know, the HBCUs, and, and we'll get to that in a second. So, Devin, why is it we, we have this mentality? And, again, I'm envious. Hmm. You know, I didn't do an HBCU. I didn't go to an HBCU. Very envious. And I, have to, I, I have wanted to that experience. I got to cut you off real quick because, um, you know, that's another bridge that we have to um, cross and and that we have to kind of get over. Um, A lot of people, you know, they feel as if just because they didn't go to an HBCU that that it's almost like you don't belong. And I have to fault. um, I have to fault the people that went to HBCUs too because I I think – some people almost come off as like, you know, they stick they you know, they stick their nose up at you a little bit or, or shun you a little bit because you didn't have that experience and you didn't choose to go to an HBCU. But what people have to understand is, especially in our community, people go to school normally where they can get where they can get the uh, spend the least amount of money. You know what I'm saying? Or or they're going right. free. A lot of people are, are you know, first-generation um, college attendees. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think we have to be a lot more um, sympathetic. In a, right. Yeah, a lot more open-minded, a lot more sympathetic in, a, in, a, in, a, in that space because you might not have went, but at the same time, your grandmother probably went 
a aunt probably went, a cousin probably went. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and, and it's, to your it's point, embedded in our culture. Right, and to your point, you're you're right. When I when I came to the South, when I started covering the MEAC the, and the CIAA, sometimes the SWAC, I was looked upon looked upon as the outsider. You know, what do you mm-hmm. know about HBCU sports? And 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 if you know me, I don't really give a damn. But I mean, it, it, that I did get that kind of I got that kind of feed, feedback, and that you know right. whatever you know. Um, right. And you're right though, because I have. Uh, met family members who went to Howard, and my son mm-hmm. wants to go to Central or Hampton. So, you know, so right. it, it's it's a part of that, and you don't have to be in that space completely to understand and be sympathetic uh, and empathize with with the, the 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 plight and the struggles that HBCUs have. And 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 by the way, you know, um, the the fact is point blank, if if not for these platforms and what you're doing and others, the Fred Wittes mm-hmm. who will be on, that, you know, mainstream media doesn't talk about HBCUs unless it was a drive-by shooting or something negative goes on. So right. so to, to your point, I was going to ask, like, the understanding of, of the history of it, why we were forced to do it. Hey, we can't go to PWI. We'll start our own and all of those right. things. But this this culture, in some cases, and it's sad in some cases, that we don't we again we feel in some cases that you know PWIs, people predominantly white institutions, if you didn't know what PWIs was, um, are are more superior and we're inferior. And like I was telling you, I, I'm in Durham, and I see more Duke University stuff, and Central's right there. Mm-hmm. And 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 you got alum that went to say, these schools and don't want their kids to go to the schools. And it's just a, right. a real weird phenomenon. And I was hoping you can kind of, you know, make the, the audience kind of understand why that continues to happen in some cases. Um, I, I honestly, I, I think it's a weird tactic <laughs> from you know from society because a lot of us, you know, we come from, you know, neighborhoods uh, that are impoverished and we think that HBCUs are the same as going to those high schools or or growing up in those neighborhoods where the HBCU is going to be, you know, uh, hood, you know what I mean? Or the people are going to be hood, but it's, it's not that it's actually, it's actually you want to be in an environment where you're around people that are like-minded, just like yourself. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's a big misconception of, and, you know, even some of my family members used to do that too. Um, I had a cousin that went to Tennessee State, and, you know, when she, when she got there, it was like, you know, from the family, it was like, oh, she's down there partying and doing all this kind of stuff. And, they not understanding that, hey, we're allowed to be ourselves in this space. Every every college is a party school to a certain extent. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Every every college is a place where kids are going to be kids. They're going to party. They're going to have, you know, these type of events and stuff like that. It's just at an HBCU, it's celebrating your own culture, and you're in a, in a safe space to, to be yourself. So, you know, I think a lot of times, um, 
yeah, it's it's that misconception of like, oh, you gonna you know just because you go into a HBCU, it's like some hood stuff, and it's not. It's, these are our future doctors, lawyers, you know, engineers, athletes. You know what I mean? So it's just like the uh, the network that you accrue when you're going to these places is like unbelievable. You know what I mean? The things that you, the people that you can call on um, after you get out of school. Yeah, I I agree. And um, when you you kind of look at the experience, um, having covered a lot of tournaments, and whether it was the MEAC in, in Norfolk, Virginia, or the CIAA in Charlotte, now in Baltimore, um, we know how to act. <laughs> you know what I mean? We right. know how to act. And I've seen other tournaments, ACC, and they turn it over cars and things. I just think the perception right. uh, of, of you know, how we act and how we conduct ourselves right. and decorum and professionalism, we learn that um, right. with, our, with our, our students. You know, when you look at what you're trying to do, and I, I really applaud it, I think we need to be able to have folks that look like us that's going to take care of our kids in these big tournaments. Yeah. I mean, the AAU is another notorious, you know, yeah. thing. You know, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. But, right. <laughs> you know, so what do you, what do you ultimately want to, to, to accomplish once you establish this, and you will, and you will be successful mm-hmm. with it, um, how are you going to give back to the HBCUs? And, you know, obviously Hampton is your alma mater, some of the others, right. what are you trying to to establish once you help those kids and, and highlight these kids the right way and care about them the right mm-hmm. way? What are you ultimately trying to do um, with these institutions? Well, our major mission is to ultimately um, raise money to bring restoration to the, the facilities on campus, so sport facilities um, to be exact. Um, so, you know, you know, the money that we raise will go in and, uh, you know, a lot of these facilities are, are kind of run down and not all of them, but a lot of them are run down and they don't have, you know, they don't get the proper funding. So, you know, with our efforts, we want to go in and, and give that space a makeover, you know what I mean? So they have a fighting opportunity to continue to bring in elite level talent without having to rest so much on you know, the kid taking a leap of faith. And you know what? One of the things we talked about before was that, you know, if you want to be like, a, I call them a fab, not a fab five, a, a five family, yeah. a PWI, uh-huh. and, right. and, and be successful, uh, you know, in sports. And let's face it, academia world, football and basketball is driving the money you can think that it's about you teaching these kids, and and certainly you you're teaching them to get an education. But you know people are not coming to the stands to see a professor. Let's just be real about that, right? So mm-hmm. you know, so if, if if that's the case, you know you're driving it in. You want to be like a power school, but you don't mm-hmm. invest like a power school. Isn't that part of the issue? Some of these presidents, some of these chancellors, some of these um, you know, all these particular sports people want to um, pretend like they're, you know, one of the elite teams or one of the elite programs, yet 
you don't invest like that and invest in, in, in elite programs. Right. Um, yeah, I think um, ultimately, you know, we just need some new blood in, in these seats. And, you know, uh, people need to understand that it's okay to flip the model. You know what I mean? It's okay to flip. It's okay to do that. Uh, it's all right to focus on sports if at the end of the day, you know, ultimately it's bringing notoriety to our schools, it's bringing more funding, it's bringing more streams of revenue, which ultimately, um, you know, the whole university is going to, uh, you know, the whole university is going to benefit. And that's the education, you know, that that's basically the infrastructure of the, of the universities, you know what I mean? We'll be able to get, um, you know, the Wi-Fi update to dorms and, but if you know, first we got to bring the money in, and I always think that you know, sports is just it's just a great way to bridge gaps, and it's a it's a great way to to build revenue. Talking with uh, Devin Green, of course, he is a, uh, a Hampton Star, former Hampton Star, and uh, NBA player. Also uh, talking about the Rich Heritage Classic that will be taking place in 2023 at the Forbes Arena. Um, in Atlanta, do you do you have a, a specific date yet, Devin? Uh, we have not locked in a specific date um, as of yet. It's you know it's still pretty far, but we're working with uh, with Morehouse to um, you know to 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 fix that or to lock that you know to lock some dates in. Um, but it, it will be in April. More than likely, it'll be April uh, 2023. That's where we have our eyes set on. Are you getting any negative feedback? And it, you're like me. I already know. Like, it don't, you know, help or get out of the way. That, I know that's your mentality right. in a short period of time. But are you getting these people, oh, he think he all that, or it ain't going to work? You know, all those type of negative. Have you gotten any of that or most of it, you know, has been positive? I know in your space is positive, but... Have you gotten any people like, nah, I don't, I don't think this is going to work? Well, I think more so the feedback is is of, of individuals that might have a short-term thinking mentality. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And honestly, when I hear those type of comments, um, I just kind of let them brush off or bounce off me um, because at, at that time, if you're not making – some constructive criticism about the actual concept, um, then I understand that you you are not um, a big thinker, and and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, being a big thinker is not for everybody. Um, you know, it's not we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just innovating the wheel. You know what I mean? So I already know the model works. I mean, we've seen it on uh, numerous of 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 occasions. So the model works. Is just how do you implement that model within our space? Are you looking at being on the other side of what happened to you when you, you know, got recruited to Hampton that the coach comes in and he want to sell your parents on and everybody under the sun and I'm going to take care of your kid and four year degree and all that. Are you looking to get involved with that with some of the high schoolers, um, and, and and having some some positive influence influence and mentorship on some of these kids and where they should go, 
certainly you want them going to HBCUs, but, you know, just kind of helping them because you do have that experience. You have a, a wide range of experience, so you know you can got, get sucked up and spit out. So are you looking to try to help in that area as well? Uh, you know, actually, I, I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine today, and, uh, you know, my thing with the whole situation is I'm – I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers because I'm not going to lie to the people, the parents, the students, um, the community. Um, You know, HBCUs, we have a lot of things to fix within our our sports infrastructure. And, you know, it's not perfect, but at the end of the day, what it builds is character. Um, Also, what it builds is is going to continue to build uh, pride. And ultimately, you know, as we get these kids and some of the kids are going to take that leap of faith and they're going to go and they're going to continue to go on and play and play professionally and do great things in life, um, that's going to come back. You know what I mean? They'll be wanting to come back and and add on to to the actual event add more innovative ideas, you know, and just want to continue the legacy. So I would say, uh, yes, you know, I'll be involved with people um, on on a one-to-one level, talking to parents, talking to communities um, as much as I can, just, just, um, you know, advocating for the space, advocating for uh, our athletes to come back home. Right. And, you know, and, and, and put on for for our community, you know what I mean? And I don't think it's anything wrong with that. Um, yeah, so I'll be there, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in this thing. This is, not, this is not a trend for me. I know, you know, HBCUs are kind of trendy right now with, uh, with everything that's going on in society. But um, this, is, this is my life, man. This is my, my life story, and I, I feel like it's my life purpose, you know. And and you're passionate about it. Let me ask you a two-part question because you mentioned a couple of things that we're going to talk about. First, um, you know, having that vision, and I asked about, you know, negativity. You you said not really, and if, if so, so be it. Um, mm-hmm. I always say on this show, I always say on the show, mm-hmm. Devin, I say it to everybody. I said it to you off air, and I'm saying it on air. Old people or older people need to go sit down somewhere sometimes. We it, we were all. I'm 51. I was your age and stuff, and I didn't want to be told what to do. And I I had visions, and and so we got. I'm not saying that don't work with your mentors and older people if they want to work with you. Fine, but again, if right. you're part of the problem or you're not trying to be part of the solution, sit down and just keep it moving. And so, are you getting that? Are you trying to work with any of your mentors? I know you're close to some people. Uh, that you uh, work with and, and, you know, coach you and, and all of that. And then the second part of that is do you think doors open for our kids coming back home, as you call it, to the HBCUs um, with the emergence of Deion Sanders and and mm-hmm. and, and Swag and, and uh, you know, um, of course, Reggie Theus, a guy you know, um, coming back from the basketball side, these name guys and players, and even on the female side, when you look at Carol Lawson at Duke and stuff. So when you see this coming back, and I know she went to Tennessee, but you get my point, to bring in the talent, do you see that happening 
through those type of for those star people that come in. Absolutely. Um, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, they're, they're some of the first to, to kind of go over the hill and get shot with the arrows. You know what I mean? Um, it might not happen immediately, but what it is doing is it's inspiring people. Um, it's, it's creating conversation. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like I'm not into the, I'm not into the game of, of sugarcoating. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is and allow you to make the best decision you can make for, for yourself, for your career, for your family. Um, once again, you know, taking, taking the road uh, less traveled is not for everybody. It's going to take, you know, uh, a couple recruiting classes, um, a, a couple really strong-minded individuals, a couple people that really bet on themselves as far as, like, athletes, as far as, like, innovative thinkers in order to, um, you know, close this gap and create, you know, a space of equality. Um, you know, we can continue to talk about it till, till we blow in the face, but until we have real true dialogue um, with the athletes, with ourselves, within, you know, within our, our, our HBCUs, you know? I mean, some people might have to get cussed out. <laughs> some people will have to really I mean, look, in, look themselves <laughs> in the mirror and say, you know what? Maybe I do have to step down. Maybe, you know, maybe I do have to step aside and, and let somebody new in here to to actually help the space elevate, man. You know what right. I mean? And and that's what I'm praying for. Um, but that's also at the same time, it's, it's why I'm creating my own platform, too. You know what I mean? So, and yeah, man, I'm really excited. And, and, and the, the old... The older generation just has has to understand that hey, you guys, you equipped us with the proper tools, you know, to to push right. this thing forward. Uh, and I think that's what it's all about is, um, you know, we're we're supposed to be better than y'all. That's 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 what's taught. You know, you reach one, teach one. Yeah, right. And uh, it does, in my opinion, still take a village to raise a child. And I, I do believe in that. One. It, and 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 again, it, it's an empowerment too, man. I mean, if you going back to like you said, I know Fresno. When you talking about the '60s and you know, and the civil rights movement and stuff, you know, uh, yes. what you like, Dr. King or or Megar Evers or Brother Malcolm or whoever. Like, it's like if you don't, if they don't want us apart, we do our own thing. So it teaches you entrepreneurship. You know, you get your. You get your education. You get your education somewhere where there are quality. I can think of a ton of HBCUs and and people, not just athletes, that come out of there are highly successful. And I I broadcast games with two very very good ones: Winston Salem State and Saint Aug. And so For I sure. mean, and there's a lot out there, you know. Um, yeah. So when you when you when you know that. And you're putting this together, and you, you you know it's by any means necessary. This is your story. What can people expect 2023 at this classic? Um, and and your vision. I know you still put everything together, but what can they expect? Mm-hmm. What can the fans expect? What can 
uh, these kids that come to play expect with this, and and what are you looking for moving forward? I mean, my vision is basically, you know, something similar to creating an an, an all an NBA All Star experience for uh, for the kids and for the community. You know, for the for the athletes and for the community. So it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time, man. It's gonna be a great time and. And we're gonna we're gonna be creative. We're gonna be unique, and we're gonna continue to do what black people do, and that's make out of our situation and out of our out of our platforms, and 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 help continue to build the communities and continue to give back and and just continue to push the push the envelope forward, man. And you know that's what we're looking for is just to really be. Um, innovative we want to be innovative in the space we want to we want to just take it to another level um and and give the next generation something to be inspired by something to be proud of as they step on the floor or you know whether they in the stands or you know on the floor or in whatever position that they're in within the sports industry man we want to help them level up and you know i think it's really up to us uh, to to do that and then continue to give effort and continue to put out quality products and 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 quality people and and that you do I I did get someone in the chat room said you are gonna mention all them schools and not no Aggie prize let me throw A and T in there and, <laughs> you know and hey, they doing I, mean, I love it. <laughs> I love what A and T is doing down there they 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 have a big recruit coming in um. Uh, Duncan Powell, a yeah. big time recruit, star recruit. Yeah, so I'm really uh, I'm, I'm watching him, man, and he's, you know, he's he's he got the juice, man. So I'm looking forward to um, to seeing what he does down there. Oh boy, now Central people in the house. I mean, okay, I'm gonna let it go. We're just gonna leave it there. Uh, and then yeah. if my boy was on, if my one of my uh, co-hosts was on, he's from Norfolk. He would have been talking Spartan stuff. So. I mean that, that that's how it, that's how it goes. Real quick, I know. Hey, you, uh, Fred, you can, uh, go ahead. You can tell them. You can tell them all. None of them. None of them really matter, man. It's all. It's always the Hanson thing. <laughs> I knew you were gonna get that in there. Somehow. Oh, it's always the Hanson thing. <laughs> man, you gotta get Hanson in there. Right? Look, I got, so, man, I got love for the whole space, man. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to um, just seeing. Just seeing the people, uh, you know, explode like a volcano, man. I, I, I keep going back to those, um, to those videos and that documentary that I watched, man. And it was just people were just going wild on the floor, and it was it was so exciting to see, man. And it reminded me of being back at Hampton, you know, Hampton Howard games, Hampton Norfolk State games, and even Hampton A uh, and T games, and just. You know, it was just an unbelievable experience, man, to see everybody have such a good time and just enjoying the game and, you know, on that level. Yeah, and, and like I said, um, you talk about black magic, and, of course, Fred Witt is on the line. Of course, he, you know, he was an integral part of that. Um, and and oh, I'll, tap, I'll tap him on in a second. But the final right. question for me is um, I, I do want to ask um, your concerns um mm-hmm. With the MEAC right now, six teams left, your alma mater's mm-hmm. gone, 
A&T is yeah. gone. Sam and Bethune went to the SWAC. So, I mean, it's a, it, I mean, how concerned are you? It, you know, I know you know Commissioner Thomas well, and he's a great uh-huh. man. So how you concern? Where do you think they're going with the with the conference right now? Man, I I'm very concerned, and and to be totally honest, I, I wasn't a fan of that move, um, just because I thought uh, the Big South was kind of like a sidestep, um, and that's no disrespect to you know any any teams in the Big South, but I just think. The MEAC you're talking, is you're talking, Ham, a, you're talking about Hampton going to the Big South. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. My, yep. Um, I just think um, the MEAC is just as competitive as the Big South. Um, so I didn't really understand the move. Um, most likely, it was it had something to do with uh, more money, maybe more exposure. Um, I know they have their Big South network and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously from a business standpoint, um, you always want more money. And you always want more exposure for your student athletes. So, uh, but but for the MEAC going forward, uh, yeah, that was a devastating blow to lose those type of universities, man. And I I hope I don't know how long their contract was specifically, but I you know I hope it's a situation where you know we can help bring you know more kids uh into these schools that went that are in the MEAC and just all the you know all the conferences that uh that hold um you know the black colleges just bringing more talent better talent um so we can kind of regain our you know our power and dominance um with our conferences you know what I mean just raise the level of conferences man that would that would be an amazing thing one day to just see our conferences um you know, be at the top of, uh, of, of of the food chain. You know what I mean, and then not yeah. such a have such a, a low R, RPI. Yeah, and uh, Aggie fans said they weren't happy with A and T leaving the MIAC, but they outgrew the MIAC. I disagree that, but you know, I you know, I don't I see yeah, it. So I, agree with I think it's a lateral move for them it too. So I don't really. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, um, I agree. Just wanted to, to briefly let you connect with. I think we, we got to go back to the drum board, um, you know, with our conferences and just, you know, try to figure out different ways to to bring in better talent and, and to continue to be innovative and build in all spaces. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to bring yeah. our to bring people back into the into the arena and just you know get more money and more exposure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to tap in with Fred Woodard's on the line, the, the man that I, I, as I mentioned to you, off there, and I tell Fred all the time, uh, there's I can count on two fingers of anybody that knows the history of the HBCU, multiple books, and I know you guys are gonna connect so I just wanted to if you haven't already just wanted to bring Fred in uh for the moment to to, to reach out to you Devin. Well hello Devin. Um I'm I'm familiar I'm familiar with uh H U and all that kind of good stuff. Uh I was not a fan of the move either and it really shocked me because to be diplomatic about it, I always thought a little more of Doctor Harvey than you know, and his leadership, because I always mm-hmm. told people about him, you know, you may not like him personally, but you can't 
arguing his record. But when he made that move, and, and now Dr. Martin at A&T, because uh, I'm actually working on, on the history of HBCU men's basketball now, and, you know, I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say this mm-hmm. and not, quote, step on people's toes. But, you know, it right. may come to that. But, you know, I always tell, I always, I always tell people this. We got to tell our own story. And nobody knows our story like we do, and nobody's going to tell it like we do. I mean, I, I loved uh, Black Magic, but at the same time, though, I know, I know, I, I do know. First of all, there's a lot left left on the cutting floor, but then I also mm-hmm. know there's a lot that didn't even make it to the cutting floor. So, you know, having been around and being able to talk to, because I was telling one guy, he said, well, you know, you had Coach McClendon's personal number, Coach Gaines. So, well, I mean, I sat down and had food in Coach King's house. I mean, I got cussed yeah. out a few times, but, you know, it was part of the course. <laughs> right. But, you know, we, we, we have a rich story, and we got a rich history, and it's up to us to, one, preserve it, and two, to tell it. Man, well, I, you know, first of all, man, I would like to say thank you for, for all of the work that, you know, both of you guys are doing, man. And, and Fred, man, I just think, you know, every – Everything that you have going on has been amazing. Just being able to tell, you know, tell our story the way that you tell it. Um, just doing the research, and a lot of people don't know uh, the the amount of time that you put into telling the story the correct way. Um, man, I, I just, I really, I really want to give both of you guys your flowers right now, and and just understand that like. Even though they cut certain parts out of the black magic, um, it inspired me. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And, you know, I hope to have, you know, both of you guys a part of, you know, what I'm doing um, going forward. And, uh, man, just on the behalf of my generation, and, man, I just want to say thank you to you guys as well. Well, thank you. Well, you know, we have to to pass it along. You know, it's up to us to – to have what we have, and then pass it along to the younger generation. You, you, you are a little. You around my son's age, so you know. Mm-hmm. I, and I know y'all know what you know, but there's a lot right. we there's a lot you don't know because we we have you know we haven't done a good job telling you in a lot of cases. But it's up mm-hmm. to us to keep it moving. That's real yeah. true, and what? it's real true. And 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 like I said, like I was saying to. Uh, uh, Devin earlier um, you're either going to be a part of it or you're going to be against it and so you're one of the guys from a different era that's willing to to teach and and share this this information with it but we do have some We got. I call them old heads Fred that don't want to be a part of this because if they're not running it or if it's not their way they, they don't want to be a part of this classic and this is a young man that's trying to so he can bring that real talent that we talk about all the time on our shows, Fred, and football and whatever. You know, we always at the, you know, tournaments and stuff. The talent's there, but if nobody's telling the story like yourself, um, that's part of part of the problem of them not going um, to some of these great institutions. Well, you know, when, when I heard about when I heard about the first move to 
the uh, Big South, and then the second move to the Big South. One of my questions was this: Who is who is the Big South? You know, well, this right. you know they started, they started reeling off these names, and I'm thinking uh, we have we have Division three Methodist College four miles from where I live. I know more about them than I do some of these schools that are, that are part of Big South. And I watched Big South um, a few years ago. The Big South tournament came in the week after the CIAA. The Big South finals and uh, semifinals looked like uh, opening day of the CIAA when only the, the girls are playing and maybe the very lowest boys uh, teams are playing. Wow. And I'm thinking – they left me, you know, how can they be generating that much money when they don't they don't have no crowds at the tournament? And that was at the that was at the Bobcat Arena at the time. And right. the one before that that I'd watched, they actually played on somebody's campus. The only reason they left the campus was that there was some kind of an incident with, with some students and so forth. So they moved off campus. I said, But you know, uh we, we, you know, we got, we got, we got to learn to float our own boat. So, you know, that's. I mean, I'm, I'm Look, looking forward me, to working with Mr. Green and all that kind of good stuff. Let me ask. Let me put this out there, and Derek, I mean, Devin, if you got to go, I, I do understand. I appreciate you staying on as long as you have. But let me, let me oh, put this out good. there. The, the thing is, um, you know, a Hampton. To, you know, we, we, we're talking, but let's use Hampton. A Hampton can go undefeated. When they were mm-hmm. in the MEAC, when their the conference tournament, so they won regular season, and we're talking basketball right now, regular season and conference tournament, and they're in the playing game. Rayford can be the third seed and pull off an upset in the Big South, and all of a sudden, you know, they the 14th seed. You know, if that that I don't know if I don't know I can't speak for Hampton or. Or anti, I don't know if they moved. They did that for RPI reasons, guys. You know, they, to have a better RPI so they get a better seating if they win. If they, but I, I've seen that. We talked about that in football too, Fred. D one, D two. I mean, D two. You know, you uh, 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 Saint All can go undefeated in in football, and you know they they say, okay, well, yeah, but you know they had eight teams on the five hundred. But you know what? You got all these other conferences. Worse than that. And I think that's part of the problem. So I don't know if Hampton made the move because of that. Um, but that's certainly something to think about. Yeah, yes, I, would, I would love to I would love to get more insight. And I think, you know, I think that's what, you know, this is all about is more so um, we have to figure out a way to uh, collaborate in a way to um, come together as one and figure out a plan because that's, I mean, nobody is going to help us dig out of this hole except for us, you know what I mean? So we have to get on one accord going forward and we have to have, I mean, it's going to be some, you know, it's going to be some, some really tough conversations and there's going to be some people that are pissed off and, you know, but we got to look at it as, as family, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, man, sometimes you got to take your brother in the yard and beat him up, you know what I mean? <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, that's my family, you know, and, and we, we're on the, you know, we're on the same trajectory, and I want to see 
uh, everybody win um, in in my space. So and in my family. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just it's just getting people on one accord. And I think um, in black culture sometimes that's that's extremely hard, just because everybody has the mentality of like, well, if you do better than me, then you know they feel like they're not gonna do as well when it's room for everybody to win. Yeah, and Fred, you make a great point. He makes a great point. You can uh, answer the RPI stuff. But we do have sort of a crab in the barrel. You know, I, I, I'll make it to the top. If you get there, fine. If you don't, you don't. I got mine. You got to get yours. Yeah, I mean, you know, just if you just think back to this time last week uh, when you were going into the opening of football, and a lot of the shows that were out there were saying there was no, I mean, it was like uh, North Carolina Central might as well just show up, take one, and go on back to Durham because mm. there's no way they're going to be, you know, they, they, they were coming off of, I think it was like three and eight season or whatever, the last season they played. Well, <laughs> if, if, I, if I remember correctly, because I, 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 I monitored parts of the game, and if I remember correctly, uh, North Carolina Central led most of the game, and they ended up winning the game. And even even the people that were coming from outside were saying, "Oh, uh, they they chose uh, Alcorn over North Carolina Central uh, with that that uh, ESPN game day, which I don't I'm not a fan of anyway." But you know, they got it real wrong. And see, the problem is they got it real wrong. But if you listen to the talking heads, uh, it was an oops, my bad. No, you screwed up. You got it wrong. And it was it was the same as you know. Speaking of Hampton, if you go back a few years, it's been about 20 years ago now. Uh, Hampton didn't stand a chance in hell, and I think it was Minnesota they beat in the uh, tournament. And uh, I- Iowa, you know, uh, it was Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Out, of, out, of, out, of, out of being the, quote, Big Ten, and, you know, because they act like we don't play good ball, but at the same time, yeah. if you go back and look, uh, what we see and what we know and honor now as, as basketball came from those little colored schools like Hampton, Winston-Salem State, where I went to school, uh, mm-hmm. you got, you know, you got Central, you got ENT, all those schools to include, you know, think about it. When integration hit, blacks, black colleges won what four or five, four or five NAIA championships um, out of the first seven. And and just think about this. They said, well, that was that was. You know, they played in little gyms. They didn't have good coaching, but they won. Uh, the gyms probably don't didn't matter as much as they thought it did. And then right. if they won, the coaching must have been pretty good. And then, you know, and think about it. I could name two HBCU Hall of Famers that played during that era. Actually, three right off the top of my head. Zelmo Beatty, uh, Willis Reed, Earl Monroe. All came from that era. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was total like six years, a six year spread. You got three Hall of Famers 
from HBCUs that quote were not what the what people expected of them. But you know, come on. But but I still say we got to do a better job of telling our story too. Absolutely, I totally agree with you on that one, Fred. <laughs> and, and and not only that, uh, I as I mentioned to you, Fred, and you you and I we're at these tournaments together, and we see it. And I mentioned to Devin early, and I'm I'm a, a close with Devin in the sec, but um, doing a better job also is supporting your teams. You mentioned something, Fred, first, when you first came on these empty arenas treating treating the women's game, you know, um, where they're playing, you know, these oddball times, nobody's there, everybody's out doing the white party and the day day party and all this stuff. And in Charlotte, I'm talking about the CIAA in particular. And and there's nobody in the state. I wrote an article years ago saying, Hey, you know, CIAA people, where are you? Like with the media's here and you know, where, where's the rest of the fair? Where's the alum? There shouldn't be people that went to school there 60 years ago that's only in the stadium. And I'm not saying all, every day. But it just seemed like a lot of the people, Fred, weren't there until Championship Saturday. We see it. You know it. And so, you know, I got criticized again. Like Devin said, you know, oh, you're an outsider. They call me an outsider. Oh, you're not an HBCU alum. What do you talk about? You don't know basketball and all. All this kind of stuff, and that's fine. I really don't give a damn about stuff like that. But the point is, is that the the proof is in the pudding, and I think that's part of it. And I know Devin is like, you know, you got to have some women really doing great things. But I would just think, in my alma mater, I want to be proud. You know, we have a football game every Thanksgiving back home, and I want to be there because that's where I went, and I want to see us win. You know, and it's just shoot, it's in Connecticut, so we freezing our you know what's off and on Thanksgiving. But that's the point. It's like I don't under I think that's part of an issue I have, uh, Fred. Maybe I'm naive in terms of alum and really think they really gonna be there a lot, but I just feel like maybe that might be part of the issue. Well, it 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 is a major issue simply because I know people who have gone who who tell you Oh, how was that the CIAA? How was that the NBAC? What games did you see? Um, right. <laughs> too much. Okay, but then, 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 see some of them same people. I know. It, I've, I've seen the prices they paid to get tickets to go to say Duke, Carolina, NC State, East Carolina. I mean, I got family members who went to all those schools, and you know, so you want to go to the game. If there's a CIAA game in the area, I'll go see it. MEAC game, you know, I have no problem going to uh, Durham to see Central play whoever because I can identify with – in Central's case, I'm close to it because um, the uh, founder of North Carolina Central was a member of my family. So, yeah, I mean, I talk trash about most other schools. I don't talk that much trash about them. But then when you consider the fact that for us, you know, on, on, a, on a good day, David and I could go back and forth for two or three hours, right up to somebody from outside, step in and say something they shouldn't say, then we both have to check them because right. that's family. And right. it has always been that way because, I mean, I, I, you know, some of my classmates and I were reminiscing the other day, you know, 
I got fifty. I have fifty years invested in the CIAA. First, as you know, mm-hmm. first um, in track and field, and then on to uh, wrestling. And you know, just I only only talk about that so-called uh, football career I had because it didn't last too long. I, I I couldn't stand the coach, but at the same time, though, uh, when you go back and you look, some of my favorite moments in college was spent in that hot room downstairs in Whitaker Gym, which was ha- was less than half the size it is now with the game center attached. But then, you know, that that would par- spark another conversation about how we got to improve our facilities and all that, that kind of thing because right now we got, we got a gym that was built for 2,500 students, and we have 5,800-plus students uh, going there, and we still got the same – uh, on campus facility. Yeah. And you know yeah, what? Just to, just, go ahead, Devin. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, just in regards to your comment about, um, you know, people actually partying instead of actually going to the games. Um, it just goes back to um, – it goes back to talent. It goes back to talent. It goes back to um, something that I think that we are – um somehow we're we're missing is and I don't mean us here on this 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 call, I mean us as a HBC community, um we're missing the fact that we have to support this space by putting butts in the seats. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what's gonna ultimately push it forward. But and I'm not saying that the guys that are not playing there are not talented. They're extremely talented. But what I'm saying is, like, we have to bring in bigger names, and and ultimately that is what is going to um, attract more people to the games is bringing in bigger names. I always use the name, you know, Zion Williamson because, uh, you know, what obviously he was a phenomenon in in the high school space and – you know, somebody like that, if he was to go to a, you know, a CIAA school or, I mean, obviously he's going to be D1, but, you know, if he went to a MIA school or SWAC school or something like that, people would come to the games to see him play. You know what I'm saying? And I think that back in, uh, you know, back in the day, I think that was the difference was, you know, you could have somebody like a Willis Reed or a Erda Pearl um, and you can go check them out and, and you know, their names rang throughout the basketball community. So, um, you know, I think and I, I, continue. I, I get that, Devin. The only thing is that the only thing, and I don't want to beleaguer, is that, you know, but Devin Green is playing for Hampton. He's a star guard at, at Hampton and playing well. Some people don't mm-hmm. know him, but guess what? Now he goes to the NBA and plays for the mm-hmm. Lakers. You, you wondering, gag, man. I said, yeah, that's the dude. That I saw, you know, now you wish what? you saw him play. You ain't going to LA, LA to see him play, but you had a LA, chance to see I, him I, play. LA, I do have to say this, and me and one of my ex teammates, we always laughing about this. And um, man, we we did not have the normal. I don't think we had the normal HBCU experience um, on the court. All our games were packed, so I mean, we had a ball my four years there. You know what I'm saying? Like, we yeah. we beat some big-time teams. We beat North Carolina. 
we had Ohio State on the ropes in Ohio State. Um, I wasn't a part of that Iowa State team, but we had UConn on the ropes in, in, in D.C. in the tournament. So um, he always has to remind me, like, and I'm talking about my teammate, my ex, my teammate was like, yo, we didn't have the normal experience that everybody else has uh, when they go for the majority of the, the HBCUs. So um, when I think back on my situation, I had a ball. You know what I mean? And, and right. the people that were supposed to see me, they saw me play. And, you know, I, I wish at that time it was, you know, social media was bigger than it was. You know, this probably be a different conversation. But um, but it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And that was that was my that was my specific journey. But you know, I I really enjoyed myself um, and enjoy you know entertaining and, and playing competitively in the MIAC uh, at that time. Yeah, and and you know, I told you my experience of seeing you know David Six and and the Pirates at Duke and that whole experience and how I was so proud of how they played and came back and. And took Duke to right. the brink and all that kind of stuff. So I get that. And but you know, you've been you've been at the scope, right? In Norfolk, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, oh my it's, God. Yeah, but when you play to what it is now, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's a stretch. Like I go there and cover the, the MAC and Fred and and T Mac on the line and. and you know, some some of the businesses don't even know that the MEAC is there playing at the school. It's different. Like, even in your short period of time, you're still a young guy. It's different right. now. And and that's mm-hmm. just that's the sad and concerned part that I have um, because I love the game. And the game at this level and the game with these institutions is so very good. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't covered it as long as Fred. I mean, you know, Fred's 101 years old, so I haven't been covering it for <laughs> But I've been covering it for 20-some years, and I know that the difference and the, 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 the talent is definitely there. So to wrap things up, to go back to you, um, talk about the classic, talk about what you're trying to do. And I know this takes money, and I know there's some fundraising going on. So if you can share with people – um, how they can get involved and how they can help um, in in this this cause, this journey, because I think, again, the fact that, you know, I, we don't need Nike or McDonald's to highlight our kids. We can highlight our kids ourselves, the way you're doing it and, and what Fred and Tony and them, those guys do. We can highlight our kids. It's just a matter of having um, the vision like you have and having – those partnerships and resources to make it happen. Right. And, uh, and like we had talked about earlier, man, I believe in my people, I believe in my community. So, um, you know, with this platform, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to produce something that is, is 360 black experience, you know, um, trying to use as many black businesses as possible, trying to, to uplift, as many communities as possible. And, um, you know, as far as like getting involved, you know, we're we're still in the grassroots, um, it's still in a grassroots space, but, um, you know, people can go to richheritageclassic.com. Um, you know, they have the ability to donate if they would like to. Um, and yes, it's going to take a lot of money. Um, you know, we are, 
you know, we're pledging to, to raise $50 million, $50 million, and we'll disperse that out to um, to HBCUs of need um, and, and restore, you know, sports facilities to help uh, these HBCUs catch up as, as best possible. Um, Instagram, all of our social medias is, you know, at Rich Heritage Classic. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find us, man. And I, I really look forward to um, continuing this journey and and putting on for, for the culture. Well, listen, you know, God bless, man. I, I believe in you. And, and like I said, with, you know, with Fred, you're in good hands. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk more. When you come back on, um, as soon as you can, we're going to talk more about the classic. We'll talk more in, in depth about this. And I, I do want to um, allow you to share your apparel um, line because, again, it's about black businesses. I mean, come on, man. Like, we're all in Absolutely. this together. That, that's what it is. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. We need to be able to, you know, edify each other and be able to come on one accord. So. Uh, I'm down with you, man. I appreciate you. I'm gonna leave you with some Buster Rhyme to go out, and uh, <laughs> I'll talk with you off air pretty soon, sir. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, Devin. Uh, always good to. to... increase your yields by using Conklin's Guardian Slow Release Nitrogen Additive. Guardian holds your nitrogen in the root zone where it's needed over a longer period of time. That in return can reduce your nitrogen rates. That saves you money. And whether you want it in a dry or liquid formula, Guardian helps in reducing groundwater contamination too. So save your money and be a good steward all at the same time by using Conklin's Guardian.
Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. If you missed any part of our broadcast, you can go to our website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. If you're listening there, we appreciate you. Thebachelornews.airtime.pro. We broadcast at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. on Monday through Saturday and on Sunday from 11 to 4. I want to go back to the phone, bring in my, my good friends uh, from the Black Heritage Review, of course, the HBCU historian, Fred, big time with it. And, of course, from BASN Newsroom, uh, editor-in-chief Black, from Black Athlete Sports uh, Network, Tony T. Mac McLean. Fred T., I appreciate you, man. Howdy, howdy. Um, Fred, okay. I, I just want to – go ahead. Hey, man. Go ahead. If, Fred, I just want to um, just kind of put a wrap on what um, – you know what he's what he's trying to do basically is it you know trying to take our kids and put us put them in front of our schools right our HBCUs and do it from a black perspective. You know some people may have a problem with that. I I can already probably think that you're gonna have some black folks will be like you know this ain't gonna work or whatever the case may be or you know. Um, you know, uh, you know, hey, my kid has a better chance with a PWI. You're gonna get that stuff, but until we put ourselves out there like that, until we have the vision like you and T Mac, you know, the understanding of the history, um, we can't, we can't move forward. We really can't. Well, one thing you're gonna, that I already know we're gonna run into, and that's what you know, uh, Chris Paul is doing his thing. Well, yes, he is, and I understand, and I appreciate it. And granted, now as a student at Winston-Salem State University, uh, and I and, and I know some several family members, so it's not like he was ignorant of HBCU. He just chose to go a different direction. Right. Well, okay, fine. But at the same time, though, when you understand that HBCUs have been underserved anyway. What is, you know, how, okay, if he's doing one classic and uh, Devin is doing another classic, what's wrong with two? Because when it comes to football and all these other sports, you have dozens of them. You know, I have a nephew who is a lacrosse player. Uh, he's on the road every weekend for like 12 weeks during the summer. He, he barely has his summer because he's, his mom and dad got him on the road for this tournament, this play-in, and that kind of stuff. So and he's getting exposure. And, you know, he's practically an All-American now, and he's starting the – well, he just started his freshman uh, season. Well, our kids deserve as much exposure as this young man does, and uh, it's up to us to get it for him. I mean, as long as they don't – as long as these things don't come up on the same weekend, I, I have no problem with it. And we got and plenty. You know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, yeah. oh, Fred. I, I apologize. We, we have plenty of time to lay out a proper plan so that uh, the one that you know naturally, uh, naturally, the one with Chris Paul is going to get a lot of play because he's in the NBA. He got the dollars. He got the connections. All well and good. We we, we see that going on down at um, at Jackson State right now. Right. 
because you got you got this high profile person from a non who's from a non HBCU background, but he has now discovered HBCUs. And and, and and Fred and Fred, you got Reggie Theus that just went. So I mean, you're getting, you know, you got you even got uh, Carol Lawson at Duke now, and so I mean, you see these names um, that are coming in. Now, obviously, she's not uh, HBCU, but my point is, is that you have these star this, this star power coming into these positions, and for HBCUs, you hope. That's that's going to be a positive. That's going to bring back that kid that you know can ball, but decides to go to a PWR anyway. Well, you know, you you also have uh, the gentleman at Tennessee State who who gets a coaching job, never having been a coach. Yeah, and, a head coaching job, Eddie George, yep. never mm-hmm. having been a coach. Yep. And, you know, I can't see – I said back in the spring, it's going to take more than just having Coach Prime on the sideline, having his sons on the field, and all those kind of things. Because just looking at Jackson State, one of the things I don't think he talks about enough is Jackson State has four players in the Hall of Fame, should be six, and – at one point, three of those four players were on the scene, on the field at the same time. Hmm. Slater, think about it, Slater, uh, Brazil, and Sweetness all played together at least two years. And just, now, so, so, so just for folks know, Jackie Slater, Rams, of course, Rob Brazil, the um, hated uh, Houston Oilers, and uh, I'm a Steelers fan. And then, of course, um, uh, as you mentioned with uh, the last one, I, the name just flipped. Um, some, guy, some guy named Walter Payton. Yeah, Walter Payton. Walter, 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 so, yeah. Sweet, sweet, you know, and, and, then, and then before them, uh, there was uh, Green Cramp now. Anyway. Lim Barney. Uh, Lim Barney. But, but think about this. When Lim Barney, I think it was the year that Lim Barney came out, they had 13 players assigned professional contracts off of one team. Little, you know, little Jackson State. But see, the thing that the thing that is good about all of this is now everybody wants to get on board with HBCUs. They know what an HBCU is. How they don't, how they didn't know all before now is beyond me. But that's what they said. Well, that's what they'll say. And, and, and you know they, what, too. And I was going to say, too, uh, you know, first of all, that's that that guilt, that that guilt that you that guilt money, I call it, where if if we're in this climate that everybody wants to jump on HBCUs because of it's it's the the cool thing to do and the end thing to do and take advantage of it, number one. But my concern is that, yeah, we do have these named people that uh, um, Fred mentioned in terms of Deion Sanders and stuff. But Eddie George went to Ohio State, right? And, you know, I mentioned Carol Lawson went to, to Tennessee, and she's at Duke. And then you look at Reggie Theus, the all accounts. I mean, so do they need to come from these institutions, or the name power will be just as impactful? The well, it's, it's, well, see, I, I, I think 
uh, that a lot of people think that this is becoming a trend HBCU-wise, but I think it's just more of a trend college sports. You know, with uh, you know Patrick going back home to Georgetown, you had uh, Jawan Howard going back to Michigan, and both of them made the tournament. I, I think that's where it started. I think because, uh, you know, we've seen – ex-players in HBCUs go back. You know, Doug went back to uh, Grambling. Uh, Kenny, you know, Kenny Riley was coach at uh, FAMU for a while. So in that sense, it's not really new, but it's it's more of an overall thing that you're seeing in the colleges where they are starting to, in a sense, bring in, um, you know, bring in these folks that um, have a quote-unquote star power. Um I hope, I hope for the most part that it's not a gimmicky thing. One of the things that that I would, I really still would love to know, in regard to Jackson State, is to who approached who. Was it was it um, was it uh, Sanders that approached them, or was it Jackson State that approached him? It would be interesting to find that out because it would sort of let you know the direction, in a sense that they're gone. But but that being said, it's it's you know, it's 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 been happening in the college world for for a little while now. We've seen you know, a lot of high profile guys uh and gals uh go and um go and coach in, in certain levels. And for the most part it's I guess it's been mixed reviews, but for the most part I think it's been rather successful. I mean if you just look at um if you look at Juan Howard, you know, you, you know where Michigan you know, Michigan is in a lot better space where they were when he first got there. Same thing with Georgetown. You know, they got to the they got to uh, the tournament a couple of years back. So, if if it if it can be if it can be successful, great. And my thing has always been, any attention, any you know, any any attention is good attention. And if they just happen and if they wind up being decent on the field, all the more reason. And Fred, Fred, I guess, Fred, I guess that, that you know, from that HBCU space, um, it, it again does it make a difference? Because you, you know, I was uh, talking to you and Devin about you know not being an HBCU guy and getting that cold shoulder and stuff. So, do they have to be HBCU alum um, at some point, even if they didn't go, if you know, to that? school outside of maybe Dion, you know, which is a flashy guy and whatever, Hall of Famer, um, do they have to come from that product to, to be able to recruit that product? Not at all. We, you know, think about it. This isn't the first, he, he is not the first guy who played in the NFL and went on and coached at an HBCU. I give you case number one, Rod Broadway played at Carolina from, from right up there, I think near Carthage and not too far from where I live. But right. he went to school in Carolina. He played in he, – he had, a, he had more, a couple of cups of coffee in the NFL. He came back and proved to be a, a quite a quite a good assistant coach and went on to become a good, if not great, head coach. And you have a lot of guys out there like that who have come – because the uh, some come from HBCU, some of them don't. Because I think the guy from Howard that's at – Either William and Mary, he, he left Howard and went to another PWI. But anyway, he, just like the rest of them, he had been in the NFL. He came out, he got, you know, he worked several coaching jobs. 
and went on from there to become a fairly successful coach. You know, it can happen. The problem is, well, my problem generally is how many times do we have to deal with these guys like that who don't get hired by PWIs because they, quote, don't have sufficient experience to what do they do? Oh, they go to an HBCU, get their feet wet in coaching, and then go take the better job. I give you case, you know, a, a very close case. Natron uh, Means had played in the NFL for several years, went to Carolina, played several years. He coached at Winston. He, he, then he moved to uh, Federal State, and now he's back at Carolina, probably making more money than he ever made at either of those other schools. But beyond that, uh, in my humble opinion, he used HBCUs as a stepping stone to get to where he is now, because he's so, back uh, so where he's So, Fred, are we at are we at the point? And I asked Tony the same question. Are we at the point that we're saying, or you're saying? I just want to be clear that even even the brothers are taking the the the, the HBCU jobs from guys who should deserve. In other words, Eddie George at Tennessee State. You know, like you said, no coaching experience, yet he was a, you know, played in a big time program at Ohio State, success at Tennessee, and and certainly the old Houston in Tennessee. But, I mean, are we saying that these PWI brothers are taking jobs from some of the HBCU guys that may have the opportunity or should have the opportunity to coach at that level? That's a nice way to put it. And, and, the reason, and, and, the, and the reason I say that is this. Those guys tend to do what I was just talking about. They'll use HBCUs as a stepping stone. You know, I, I've known a few guys. I mean, you know, do, you know it's like uh, my classic example is uh, Steve Joyner Sr. Do you, you, know, you know, Steve could have been gone from Johnson C. Smith. Right. Matter of fact, a few years back, he could have he could have been the one to replace Big House Gaines, quiet as it was kept. So it's not that he doesn't he does and, and, and if you if you watch his team, they're disciplined. His guys are graduating in four years, in some cases in some cases less. All he you know he does all the right things all the right way. So those guys are there, whether they went to the NBA or not, because he never played in the NBA. But at the same time, though, you you have those people, because um, one of the former coaches at Federal State, because he got the job because he'd worked at NC State. But he was nowhere near on the horizon when it came to choosing. In fact, they had gone through a whole list of people. He did the decent job while he was at Federal State because he won two or three championships in about 10, 12 years. So I'm not knocking what he did, his, what he was able to accomplish. But then... He took a job that other HBCU alum did not get a chance at for reasons nobody seems to know. But the people that were in the room, and half the time they they tell you they tell you a different story. Yeah, Tony, Tony, same question for you, sir. Well, you know, I go back to what I said before in regards to Dion, and I and I'll apply it to Eddie George as well. 
who came to me, if you know who came to who first, it gives you an idea of where this relationship may be going. If Dion is, if Dion and Eddie are sort of using this as stepping stones to get a, um, to get a quote unquote white college job, then, then, you know, then, then, yeah, I think, I think most of us would still have, would, would have a problem with it. If he's looking to cultivate this and really wants to be entrenched in, in HBCUs, then, then that's great. But see, that's, that's the, it's sort of an unknown because we don't, because it, it's barely been a year for Dion and, and Eddie's going to be in the first, his first year down in uh, Nashville. But yeah, that to me, if you know, like I said, I want to know who pursued who, because to me, then that lets you know where it's going. And see, I, I, like I said, right now, I can't really get on either one of them yet because it's, you know, because they haven't really been there long enough now. Now, Dion has caused a lot of whatever, good, bad, or indifferent in, um, on and off the field. So one would think that he's in it for the long haul. I'm not sure about Eddie George because it's, you know, it's only been a year, but I will say and this. He's Tennessee State where there's nobody knows what together. Well, no, but see, but see, but, but again, but see, again, the, the, the stuff that he's done to me is, 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 is harmless because he has trumpeted many of the things that you have said over the years, Fred, as well. So I think, I think he deserves. I think, if nothing else, he deserves to be given the opportunity to, you know, do, do you know, do what he may or may not do. Um, now, Eddie is putting. Now, you look at his coaching staff. He's put together a very good coaching staff within in uh, in Tennessee State. So, if these guys, look, end of the day. The biggest thing you've got to do in a college, whether it's a white school or college school, you've got to recruit. And if if they're able to recruit and bring the kids here and cultivate that, then that's half the job right there. So I think the jury is still out. I, I, re, I really think the jury is still out on, on, on both of them because they have, you know, to me, neither one has shown a way where they look like they're going to be leaving anytime soon. Now, if they wind up doing it and, and, it, and, it, and it finishes up a, a certain way, so be it. But I think, again, either way, I think it's good. I think it is still a good thing for HBCUs, plain and simple. Well, my biggest thing is now, in the words of Barry White, now that we're here, they got to learn how to. They got to learn how to win at this level. And, oh, that's fair. That goes without saying. And, and, that goes without yeah. saying. You know, like I said, I don't pick coach. You know, because he, you know, I've been asked to work help with a, a couple of polls this year, which I don't normally do, but I'm gonna see how it goes for a while. But at any rate, one of the reasons I don't get into polls because you get into a whole lot of speculative things, and my thing is what. Does the record say? Are they able to run the ball? Are they get you know? Are they able to stop the run? Are they able to cover? You know, all those kind of things that are that are truly all about football. You know, like I say, you know, 
you you and I both know people who got all kinds of mud on their face today because of their predictions this past Saturday. Oh God, and, yeah. And you know, to be, I try to be, I call it journalistically neutral when it comes to certain aspects of that because you have to understand that it, it's all about X's and O's and translating X's and O's into wins and losses and also translating it into good character kids who go on, get their degree. But like one of the questions I had about some of the statements that uh, Sanders was making was how was he going to treat the young men who were there already? And, you know, fortunately he did not openly walk in and tell them, okay, most of you guys are going to be gone, all that kind of stuff. And hopefully he didn't do it behind the scenes either. But I've seen that happen even with guys who came in from HBCUs. And in almost every case, it ended up being a shambles because the, the guys who stayed were paranoid because they knew that the first mistake, they're out of there, and all that kind of, you know, they worry about the scholarships. And, you know, you, you see, when you do that kind of thing, you also mess with somebody's baby. So by virtue of that, you got the mama factor, you got the alumni factor, because, I mean, these kids – even with even without all the necessary um, pieces from the institution, they're still somebody's kid. They still go there and they make friends. And they, at an HBCU, you know, you'd be amazed. I've, I've met I've met this guy, uh, Wilmot Perry. You know, Wilmot was a football star, but he was a campus star, absent of, of, of football because people liked him. You know, um, it's 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 one of those conversations that um, we hope for the best in terms of the impact of some of these folks. And and you know, as we were talking with Devin about his tournament um, to bring these high schoolers in, um, I want to ask you both uh, as a wrap up, and Fred, um, go to you first. Uh, what about the impact? of the so-called new alliance. Now, I know the Pac-12 dropped off um, and their concern and the ACC and the Big 12, you know, because of the SEC is now the National Football League of, of college football, if you will, you know, bringing in Texas and Oklahoma uh, pretty soon. So this alliance, this 41-team alliance that they're trying to put together, what's the initial impact of this as it relates to HBCUs, not just the fact that, you know, they're going to keep, they're going to keep the money in the families, I call them. Um, but also, Fred, the fact that, you know, you may have a central on, on the, uh, you know, on the, the schedule to play Duke that may go away, which means that, you know, competitive or not, this is one of those games that they want to keep on a schedule, uh, you know, for the reasons of, of resources and economics. Uh, how how much of that affects the HBCUs? Well, I, I think there will be some level of, of, of effect because that's, I'll call it easy money, or take, take one for the program kind of situation. But at the same time, though, 
HBCUs can do a better job of internal promotion among